welcome back to Diary of the Madman, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast, where we talk about everything Ozzy and Ozzy related. What's going on, man? <laughs> Not much, man. What are you into? Nothing much, man. I'm just really excited to get going on our topic today. It's going to be a fun one. I do want to make a quick correction. We forgot to name the new Iron Maiden song last week, and it is called The Writing on the Wall. You know, like I talked about last week, the more I listen to it, the more it is definitely growing on me. Yeah, we spent a good three or four minutes discussing that song, but never actually said what the title of it was and realized <laughs> later. It's like, oh, yeah, we, we're kind of new at this. Bear with us. Another thing that we want to correct also, this is episode four. Last week, we called that episode two, but the thing is, is once we uploaded these to go out to distribution to whatever you listen to us on, be it Apple or Spotify or Google or whatever, it would not let us title the trailer Zero, which is what we initially planned right. to do. So the trailer ended up being episode one. So now we're actually up to four. We're kind of skipping three you know, by mistake, but it is what it is. So here we are at episode four. And Dan, are you excited for this topic? I am really excited. I mean, I think this one hits home for both of us being such diehard Aussie fans. I'm excited that... You know, last time we dabbled into the Sabbath era, and we are 100% back to solo era, which I'm really excited about. Absolutely. Today's topic is our perfect Ozzy Osbourne set list that he could actually pull off today. So it's not necessarily the songs we would want to hear the most, but it's the ones that we think, if he did a set list today, that he could still physically pull off on stage. Correct. And we tried to make it as fun and you know, exciting as possible where it's not the exact same set list, but we also try to keep it as real as possible. So the set list is going to look very similar, at least mine, to an Aussie set list with a couple of different intricacies in there. But we're, we definitely set that parameter, Josh. He has to be able to sing it live. Has to be able to sing it live. And the staples have to be there. So a little spoiler, not a big one. Like, Crazy Train's got to be there. Because Ozzy's not going to go out and not do Crazy Train. So the, the ones exactly. that are the complete staples, they are still there. But this is the songs we would like to see around those that we still think he could do on tour. Speaking of being on tour, now that we're post-pandemic, a lot of bands are starting to go back out. Have you noticed the ticket prices lately on some of these shows, Dan? It's outrageous, man. We were talking about the Judas Priest show, and I am still baffled, A, how expensive the show is, and more importantly, how few tickets they're selling, which is really a bummer. Yeah, what brought this up between me and Dan and our friend Ryan, we were discussing the Judas Priest tour. Uh, they're coming to my area, and I was looking at how poor the ticket sales have been. And Ryan, he lives in the Chicago area, and he was looking at how poor the ticket sales have been up there. And one thing that we all quickly related was the ticket prices are really expensive. And to be honest, it's not a Judas Priest thing. It's a everything thing right now at this point. Tickets are expensive, and... You know, when you're on Ticketmaster, the Ticketmaster fees themselves are expensive. They can be 14 and $15. I know in my band, we've had shows on Ticketmaster that the Ticketmaster fee costs more than the ticket did. Because we've had $5 right. shows and the Ticketmaster fee was like $7. And then, yeah, it's you know, outrageous. Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. And it's, it's really driving the prices up. But, uh, you know, prices are high in general. I just don't know how they really expect to win the fans back with ticket prices where they are. The demand is, you know, not there for that. Yeah, and I know Rage Against the Machine was trying to uh, circumvent the system but i think they're expensive as well so the whole thing seems to be out of control and i'm not quite sure you know how concert tickets come down but then again you know kiss is selling 20 dollars tickets over where i live right now so for lawn seats and that's perfect man if you're gonna go see a show at a lawn 20 30 bucks tops that's how it should be 100 percent. you know i've seen many shows in the lawn i've seen ozzy and black sabbath many times from the lawn oh, and never. there is nothing wrong with that but you know that ticket shouldn't be over thirty dollars it just shouldn't you know i think they're going to be a lot of rude awakenings this summer when these bands go out on tour and there's half sold houses or not even that you know right. with these ticket prices the way they are and with the demand not being there and there's so many bands on tour you know you're having to kind of decide who you want to go see because almost everyone is out and you can't afford that for everybody but like you said you know rage against the machine tried to circumvent that and they kind of you know i, di I didn't dig that they kind of threw it out there like hey ticket buyer we're looking out for you and we're going to make sure that the bots don't buy all of our tickets and we're going to beat right. the scalpers but then all they did was fucking charge more for the ticket and it, it was crazy like their tickets were 170 220 dollars each something like that and it was like that's not cool the ticket buyer still paying that crazy amount for it either way agreed two things one what i'm noticing today and it's been like this for the last i'd say 10 years everybody's touring like big shows now right so you know, there's mega tours, you know, you're rarely going to see a band. Sabbath was kind of an exception. Metallica is an exception. 
But most of these summer shows, it's like just a huge bill, like three, four great bands. I mean, even bands like Weezer, Green Day and Fall Out Boy, right? They're doing stadiums. You know, you got the Motley Crue Def Leppard Stadium show. So it's crazy that all of these huge bands are getting together just to pull tickets. Even those, though, the, those stadium tour tickets for Motley Crue and Def Leppard, they're expensive. Oh, they're, for sure. They're, they're not 19 and $20. It's changed so much in such a short time. I saw Paul McCartney at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati about 10 years ago, and I was near the top. It wasn't the greatest seat in the house. It could have been worse, but it wasn't the greatest. But I think that ticket was like 1995 or 2995, something like that. It wasn't crazy. I went to go see McCartney on the same tour. I paid 250 for a yeah. ticket, but I was pretty close. One of the things, I'm spoiled, man. Once you get to a show and you're top 10 rows... It's hard to go back for me personally. Oh, I've done it. I mean, I've been front yeah. row for Ozzy. Well, Ozzy solo once and Sabbath once. And I've had fifth row for solo for Ozzy on the screen tour, yep. dead center stage. It is hard to go back, but I guess I view it from a standpoint of as, as long as I'm there, it's, it's okay. It depends on the time and place and circumstance. If I got friends who just can't really afford expensive tickets or whatever, I don't see any fault in it. But of course, there's nothing like being down front. I mean, if you're nothing, it's totally different. And even just in the, you know, if you're outdoor venue, just being in the seats in general is always a better experience. But some people, you know, our friend Ryan, who we referenced earlier from Chicago, I know he prefers the lawn because he's a big, he likes to drink. He's a big party guy. He right. likes having quick access to the beer stations and he likes to get with his friends and drink and cheers and every damn thing else during the show. And that's just what they do. So it's people, different right. things for different people, you know? For sure. I actually do not drink at all when I go to shows. I try to stay as sober as possible because of just being at a large crowd. A lot of times I might be with my wife and kids or whatever the case may be. One of my buddies, they were at Slipknot. Listen to this shit. <laughs> they were four of them and the crowd was getting rowdy and everything like that. And they're sitting down in their seats. And all of a sudden they thought there was a leak in the roof. And they looked behind and the guy was fucking pissing right in his seat. And it was it was like <laughs> dripping down all into their seat. It was not good. That's I'm glad good. I missed that show. I learned a lesson early on. I had front row for Ozzy on the uh, Night of Merry Mayhem tour with Rob Zombie and Mudvayne and Soil. There was a guy, he was front row also, and he was to my left, and he was just fucking blitzed, like from the start of the show. I mean, like before Soil even comes out, this guy is just hammered. And he kept grabbing my shirt and shaking me, and he's like, fucking Ozzy, man, we oh, got front Jesus. row for fucking Ozzy, man. And I swear to God, Ozzy was in song two. And I looked over and that cat was passed out dead as fuck in his seat. Think about how much money he wasted, man. I don't know that he ever honestly laid eyes on Ozzy the whole night because I noticed him during song two. He could have been laying there for 30 fucking minutes like that for all I know. <laughs> this complete <laughs> That's waste. That's brutal, man. That is brutal. Yeah. Yeah, and that's another reason I like to stay sober for the shows, just because I want to remember them. I don't want to be like so blitzed out of my mind that I, you wake up the next day and you don't even remember the show. That would definitely yeah. bum me out, especially, you know, my favorite bands, going to see Ozzy, Sabbath. I'm there for the music, man. I mean, I'm there for the crowd, too. It's great. There's nothing like being in a crowd and everybody loving Ozzy, and they they chant that, Ozzy, Ozzy. I'm going to get chills. It's it's a great feeling, but, you know, I, I'm definitely there for the music. Oh, wow. I've never heard that at one of the shows I've went to. That's amazing. They do that sometimes? Get the, fu <laughs> get the fuck out I'm of here. I'm joking. <laughs> fuck off. Okay. So nice. anyway, on to today's topic. Ultimate Ozzy Osbourne set list that he could still pull off in 2021. We have separate lists, and we've not seen each other's lists. We're big on lists, if you haven't noticed that on this show by now. So here's the one thing, though, because we do love lists. I want our listeners to pick what set list they would be more excited to see. They got to jump on our Facebook page, our Twitter page, and let us know, hey, Josh had the better set list. Dan had the better set list. Let's, yo, Or let us know what your set list was, right? Exactly. Let us know your set list. Which songs would you like to hear that you think he could still perform in 2020? That's the key. Ozzy's kept the very basic set list for the last 20, 25 years. But a lot of that is you know, sadly based on performance and songs he's and comfortable confidence. doing. And confidence yeah. is the key. There's yeah. so many that he could be doing that he's not. But we do realize, too, there's over half of his songs that he just simply couldn't do anymore. I mean, most of the songs on Diary of a Madman were tough then. Oh we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, all right, but we will call bullshit. And if bullshit is called, we'll have to put another song in the set list. Okay. Sounds good, man. So if you have one that I think he couldn't pull off today, I can call bullshit and you will have to replace it with something else. All right. Sounds good. Okay. okay so even before the show begins... Ozzy's so well known for coming out to O'Fortuna, 
by Carl Orff. Right. I would nix that. It was no. very I would go back to Diary of a Madman right there. I would she would go back to the old Diary of a Madman intro like he used with Randy Rhodes in eighty two and use that intro leading in to Paranoid. The first You're time I saw Ozzy Paranoid? Yes, sir. The first time I saw Ozzy Live, he opened with Paranoid. And I have forever since believed that's the perfect song for Ozzy Osbourne to open up with live. It has the energy. The crowd knows it. It's almost like you're going to see Leonard Skinner and they're already doing Freebird, right? It gets it out of the way for the fan that's seen it a million times. And it's yeah. just got a lot of energy, man. And everyone knows and loves that song. And, you know, when you see it live, and I mentioned this on the trailer, I believe, and he has the kabuki curtain. The kabuki curtain is the big black curtain that covers the yep. stage before a band comes out. And when the band kicks in... And the curtain drops. You know, the guitar player comes in with the intro. Then the band kicks in and the curtain drops. It's, it's just got a good, powerful stance. It makes a statement instantly. The energy is there instantly. And I just love Paranoid as an opener. So that, for me, is my opener for Ozzy Osbourne's perfect set list in 2021. So, correct. And he did that on the No More Tours tour back in 92, which was fantastic, man. It was it was really cool because I'd already seen him a bunch of times and we knew Paranoid was the closer. So, it was like mind-boggling when he opened the show it's with it. It's a raid! Right? Sorry I heard so cool. sirens back there. I apologize. <laughs> That's all right. So, my opener is, I think, the best concert opener there could be. And I know he loves to open with I Don't Know, but I just don't think he can ever go wrong opening with Bark at the Moon. It is probably the greatest riff, maybe in metal history. It's got so much power, energy with the stops and the drum syncopation. I just come out of my chair every time Bark at the Moon starts. I think it's a great opener. Dan choosing Bark at the Moon to open his Aussie set list is the least surprising thing to me that I could have heard all day long. <laughs> He Just loves wait. it's a very very surprising list. He loves that song as we all do, but I knew that would be you know uh, the irony in what I'm seeing right here though is first time I saw Ozzy was on the Retirement Sucks tour and he opened with Paranoid on that tour also. That's the right. First That's time right. you saw Ozzy was on the Ultimate Sin tour and he opened with Bark of the Moon. So we both picked yeah the songs that we first saw, saw him play live That's for the first point. time each. So that could yeah maybe that connects with us some reason. Absolutely. Awesome. That's a great one. So, so I think Bark the Moon's great. I mean, just the energy, the guitar playing, the vocals. It, it's just a great song. I think it's a high energy song. Yeah. High energy is going to be a theme of my set list. And again, a song that everyone knows. The energy's there immediately. You can't go wrong with Bark the Moon. I can totally go with you on that. So after Paranoid, I have the, in my head, when I look at my set list, it goes into the drum intro, kind of like on Live and Loud. Uh, flying high again again a classic that everyone knows I, I do think he could pull it off he actually did it a few nights on the no more tours two tour a few years back and when that first got kicked off in florida so we know we could do it and uh just a classic that really i think should always be in the set list i don't understand why this song fluctuates in and out throughout the years because i think flying high again is as much a classic as mr crowley or suicide solution well you got to remember too growing up in the 80s like i did Flying High Again was about equal to Crazy Train as Ozzy's most popular song. It was a very popular song. It was a staple in the live show. I have no idea why he ever would take it out because to me, I agree with everything you're saying. I think it's a great pick. I am sure we're going to see it on my list. And I think it's a great one-two punch, Paranoid, into Flying High Again. Let's see. When did that happen? Probably around OzFest 98 or so that they exited the set list. It was there for the Retirement Sucks tour. It was. Then in 98... Ozfest, he started playing Believer. Did, did Believer replace Flying High again on that? Yes, tour? it did. That sounds about yeah. right, doesn't it? It does. And then since then, it's really been very sparse ever since that he's played Flying High again. He did it in 2000, some nights, some nights he didn't. It was I remember he would alternate Flying High again and Diary of a Madman, actually. Thank God for me, the right. night I saw him in 2000, he played Diary of a Madman, so that was yeah. fucking epic. Motherfucker. I, I think he's played it like seven or eight times total. I don't even know if it's them. that much, to be honest. Yeah. It was that yeah. whole Ozfest. Each night he would alternate those. And I think there was like 18 dates. So I want to say maybe nine times, eight times, something like that. It's pretty amazing that yeah. he pulled that off with Joe Holmes. Oh, it was awesome. And the stage show was huge too. A lot of pyrotechnics and fire and so on. So it was great. So my number second. So we come out of Bark at the Moon, blazing guitar solo, and uh, we go into Mr. Crowley. There's a few songs in Ozzy's career that if I see him live, he has to do. Mr. Crowley is one of them. There's just something about that song that moves me in a live performance. I wish he would cut down on the crowd part right before the song kicks in. He goes a little too long for me on that. But overall, I think the energy of Mr. Crowley, just everybody stops and Ozzy comes in with that. Mr. Crowley. It's just so good live. It gives me chills. Another brilliant guitar song. 
probably the one-two punch. I'm just realizing this now, what I would consider maybe the two greatest guitar songs of all time, Mark the Moon and Mr. Crowley. Yeah, Mr. Crowley is as much a staple for me as Crazy Train is or Paranoid. I mean, same. It's on, I'll go ahead and tell you, it's on my list also. That's a song that I just couldn't remove if I had to because of no everything you just said. And, you know, I think Randy Rhodes had made the comment before that maybe it was his favorite song that he had done with Ozzy. That might have been before the Diary of a Madman album was written. I'm not sure of the time and place when he said that, but... That song just has such a connection to Randy also for the fans, I believe, in a lot of ways. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. There, there's just so much about that song that it's a staple. I couldn't take it out of mine either. I don't have it quite that high up on the set list. He does. It was actually number two on the No More Tours Tour set list, if I recall correctly. It uh, is. He likes to do that, too. He yeah. might have done that, too. Yeah. I hate to say it on the uh, I'll Have to Look, but he might have done it, too, in the uh, Ultimate Sin show. Well, actually, so right now you're on pace with his current tour because he opened with Bark of the Moon and then did Mr. Crowley. I'm right there. You're I right think there it's a great one to punch. It's it, yeah. hard to argue. So for three, I start to get a little more crazy. A song that I think should have been in the set list for the past 25 years that I believe he could sing very easily. And for some reason, after that initial tour promoting that record, it got dropped. I would like to hear him go back in to Gets Me Through. Very nice. I love it. I think Ozzy wrote the lyrics to that song for the most part. It seems to mean a lot to him. I'm kind of shocked that that song didn't hang around in the live set list. Of course, this was during a time period of a lot of Sabbath reunions and things like that. But really shocked this one got nixed after the first tour because I think it's something he could easily pull off live now at this point. A hundred percent he could still pull off Gets Me Through. What a great bridge, too. It's a great heavy headbanger song. I have no idea. To be honest, this is what really started this conversation is songs like Gets Me Through, how he plays it for the, the tour for the album and then takes it off the list, which drives me crazy. Because that's really how songs become classics, right? You know, exactly you got to stay in the set list. So, yeah, had he kept this song in the set for the past 25 years, all the fans would know it by heart like we do, you know, Mr. Crowley and these other songs. And it's a song that I think at this point people would look at as a classic, whereas it's probably looked over because it's not been in the set list since 2001, 2002, you know? Right. And I think he could definitely pull it off. It's it's a great song. Great choice, Josh. Thank you. My number three is that drum intro starts right after Mr. Crowley and we go into Flying High again. So we're very close. You have to have Flying High again in the set. You already talked about it. It's got a great energy. I mean, look at this one, two, three punch, right? Bark at the moon, Mr. Crowley flying high again. It doesn't get any better than that. It's a great, great start to the set. Great guitar playing, great melodies. I think Ozzy can hit all those. His voice is starting to get a little warmed up here. That would be my number three song. Can't go wrong with flying high again. Definitely one of the classics. Um, I'm going to edit that comment out. It was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) You got to leave it in. (laughs) So, uh, my number four, I'm still sticking to a little bit of the crazy side of this, but I've thought for years he could do this song live. I've never heard him do it. This will be the first song on the set that I've never seen him do live in person. He did perform it on the album tour, but I would like to hear at number four, Rock and Roll Rebel from the Bark of the Moon album. You know, it's a song that, at a glance, you would say, well, Bark of the Moon, man, 1983, I don't know if he could do that. He could sing Rock and Roll Rebel. Listen. Dude, this is the song. And, and, and I hate to say this is definitely in my set, but this is the whole song that you and I got to talking about saying, why the fuck is Rock and Roll Rebel not still in Ozzy's set list? He could easily do it, man. He, he could easily do it. But, you know, that, Like we said on the previous episode, they tuned down the guitars. You can go to a lower octave. You can even change the melody a little to suit your voice today. He changed the melody. We've discussed this privately before, where he changed the melody for Sabbath Bloody Sabbath on the reunion yep. tour with Black Sabbath. Loved and it's it. fucking great. I think it's almost better than the other melody. It's He actually excellent. did that on the, uh, uh, what tour was that? When he pulled out Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. I Retirement think it was sucks. the Retirement Sucks tour. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Rock and Roll Rebel for me would be my number four. I would shit my britches if he broke that out sometime and I was in attendance. It'd be excellent. Again, to be the old man of the set. Let me tell you, Rock and Roll Rebel was a hit for him. It was on the radio a lot, on hard rock radio out here in Arizona and all over the country. You know, it was great. It went over live beautifully on the Bark at the Moon tour. I have no idea why it got dropped. I have no idea why he did not continue that song on in the Ultimate Sin tour. Yeah, and it's a song that seems to connect with him on a personal level. I mean, clearly it's about I'm a rock and roll rebel, you know? I mean, well... I mean, living through that time, people really thought Ozzy was a major devil worshiper. I'm telling you, Josh, I'm sorry to be like old here, but it was so fucking cool when Ozzy came out with that line. They say, I worship the devil. They must be stupid or blind because it was like, fuck you guys. It's just a goddamn show. And that line really meant something to me. It's, it's a great fucking song. It's a great song. All right. Here's my first swerve of the set. 
And I'm going to put this as a caveat, all right? The chorus is going to have to be sung a little bit by the crowd, okay? You know how he likes to do that? Okay. So my number four is Perry Mason. Ooh. Okay, I'm going to give you the chance to explain this, but I'm ready to click my bullshit button on this one, so you explain. <laughs> All right, listen to the verses, right? On his way to dinner. It's all, you know, it's that raspy Aussie voice. It's not a very hard line to sing for him. The only part of the song that's hard is he could sing the Who Can We Get on the Case calling Perry Mason. That's the only part of the song that he really would struggle with. And he could easily do the microphone out into the crowd like he's done many, many times in his career when he can't hit a note just like he does on Crazy Train. Perry Mason is no higher than Shot in the Dark. It is no higher than Miracle Man. It is no higher than Flying High Again. He can't do Miracle Man right now either, but I will let it pass. I will give you a pass on this one for the caveat that you threw on there that the crowd sings the high point of the chorus because that is always where he struggled with it on the Retirement Sucks tour. There's always a little bit of squeal right there on the chorus on that yeah. section. So, yeah. And that I will say that would be fun to have the crowd uh, sing that with him. Of course, and I think that's kind of a legendary Aussie song. I think so. Okay, so number five for me is Mr. Crowley. Like we discussed earlier, it's a song that has to be there for all the reasons we discussed when you mentioned it for number two on your set list. It's just got everything I want from an Aussie song, from an Aussie live show. He still nails it live. It's got the epic vocal moment of you know, the Mr. Crowley intro when he sings that. Everyone loves. So for all the reasons we discussed earlier, Mr. Crowley stays in my set list at number five. Nice. It's It has to be an Aussie set list. I couldn't agree more, man. My number five, I'm telling you, dude, we have our same brain sometimes. We're like one song off is Rock and Roll Rebel. Again, I'm going to keep reiterating how high energy this set is. Bark at the Moon, Mr. Crowley, Flying High Again, Perry Mason, Rock and Roll Rebel. I think it would be an amazing start to the show. Well, you're five songs in and have two songs from the Bark the Moon album. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Does that surprise uh, you? I, no, it doesn't. <laughs> If I had the caveat that you had for Perry Mason, it probably would be on my list. As I said earlier, I started to call bullshit on you. Right. But with that caveat, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and leave it off my list. But with that, I would find room for Perry Mason somewhere else because it definitely holds a special place for me. I did see him perform it once. I would definitely like to see it on a set list today. That would be absolutely epic. It would be epic. I mean, it's such a great riff and it's so heavy. It's it's amazing. We we went in detail about it on the Osmosis yeah. podcast. So number six in my set list of the Ultimate Ozzy Osbourne set list 2021 is where I throw a complete curveball. This song has never been performed live. Oh boy, I got my bullshit button ready to go. <laughs> but I firmly believe he could do it so easily. A matter of fact, it could be done so easily. I'm just shocked that it was never done live in the first place, especially on the album tour blows my mind. It's not my favorite Ozzy song, but the reason I would like to see it is because he's never done it live before. And that's crazy babies. Wow. Holy cow. That's a curveball, dude. That's a curveball, And I'm aware of that. Yeah. But crazy. God, babies, that's pretty high, dude. Crazy babies is still a song that you hear on the radio. As a matter of fact, I got my first lap dance to crazy baby. Nice. You can't beat that. Yeah. Now I know why it's in the set list. Mm -hmm. I had special <laughs> sweet memories for that one. But if you guys hear tinking going on, it's just, you know, you know Josh's yeah. microphone. But, you know, it's a song that I think obviously wouldn't be in the same key. I realized, you know, they'd tune it down just like to do everything else in the set list. But I think he could do it. I just don't think it would be a song that would be very hard for him to pull off. I mean, and then the chorus, walk that walk, talk that. I mean, fucking do that. Are you kidding? Oh, It'd be that easy. Verse, sing the verse, though. I can't sing. I can't sing shit. You don't want me to sing. We want people to listen to this show, not turn it off. I know. I love yeah, but it. he could get always in the lower octave, you know. Crazy babies never say. He could do it. All right. All right. I'll put the bullshit button If away. you want to call bullshit, call it. But I, I think no, he could do I it. I think he could do it. Please. I have another song on um, from that album. So awesome. that helps my argument for that song. <laughs> all right. My number six is Believer. Nice. I just think it's a great live song again. You know, it's kind of similar to Mr. Crowley's, you know, Randy's solos. I don't want to say are similar, but I always looked at Believer as kind of like Mr. Crowley part two is the best way to say it. But Rock and Roll Rubble ends, you know, that dun dun, and then boom, 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 boom. It's just a great, it's a great live song. Ozzy can still do it. He's done it on a lot of recent tours he did it on the scream tour for sure i just think it's a great great song great melody gets the crowd head banging i think the crowd would lose their shit 
already two songs now off Diary. Yeah, Believer didn't make my list, but man, it was if there's one song that I just stared at and was like, oh, I gotta find a place, it, it was probably Believer because, like you, I think he could still do it. Like, matter of fact, he has done it recently. It's a crowd favorite. It's it's a deep cut, but it's not so deep that no one, you Agreed. know what I'm saying? It, and it's and he needs more songs from Diary of a Madman in his set list. He just does. I know it's a hard album to sing some of those songs, but at the same time. Many people view it as his best record. I mean, the ultimate debate, which we'll obviously do on this podcast down the road, is Blizzard versus Diary. He does Ooh, like five wait. and six songs from Blizzard tour to tour, but Diary right. of a Madman usually has zero. Or Z- one, if we're lucky. If you're lucky, you get Flying yeah. High again or Believer, and that's and Correct. that's it. And it was even that way with Randy Rhodes and this, you know, originally, and they were doing Believer. They were doing Over the Mountain, Over the Mountain. a little bit. Just bare, you know, at the first part of the tour, they they eventually dropped it. Well, what I was trying to say is they were doing Believer and Flying High again. That was it. That's it. And then when yeah. they went out on the Diary tour, they added Over the Mountain, and that was it. Yeah, that's it. And uh, you know, it was kind of well, Randy was not happy about that. That's what I was about to say. It was kind of well known that Randy was a little displeased with that. You know, he knew that Diary was as good a record or better, and he didn't understand why for the Diary of a Man Man tour they didn't play a few more of those songs. And I agree, they they should have broke a few more of those out. But it goes back to the confidence level, like we talked about well, earlier. And again, not to harp on this, but Blizzard of Oz is tuned to 440. And Diary of a Madman is tuned to E flat, except for SATO, which is in 440. So Ozzy was able to write a little bit more ambitious melodies on Diary because of the lower tuning. Definitely. So yeah, Believer, absolutely epic. It's not on my list. It could I could throw it in there over anything. I mean, I love that song. So number seven, I go back to a more traditional Ozzy Osbourne set list staple, and I'm going with Suicide Solution slash guitar solo. When I hear Ozzy live. And it's guitar solo time. I immediately go to Suicide Solution for the guitar solo. I don't know if it's because Tribute's my favorite record ever recorded. And it's, I just always relate it with that. But I just think Suicide Solution is a fun song. It's one that fans always look forward to. And the guitar solo just always for me is attached to Suicide Solution. So for that reason, I put it right there at the seventh slot. I mean, it's a staple. I'm not one of these huge Suicide Solution fans. I know it's a, it's a great song, of course. It's Ozzy, but... Definitely not one of my favorites from the Randy era. I think it's a little boring. I do understand why you put it in the set list because it is such a staple and it is always married and married to the guitar solo. My number seven is an is a staple and we're going to go, I don't know. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I contemplated opening the set list with it because I would imagine the mo- most of the time I've seen Ozzy live, I don't know, has started the show. It's a great opening song for sure, but I think it works very well in the middle of the set too. It's got high energy. Again, Ozzy nails it live. He can absolutely sing in that range for the song. Wonderful bridge, another great guitar solo. As you can see, I'm pretty Randy and Jake heavy. I mean, I think we all are. I totally get it. There's something about the the magic of the early 80s era that those songs have stood the test of time. I mean, we're sitting here 40 plus years out now on some of these songs and they're still as heavily played on the radio. Like you mentioned, Rock and Roll Rebel. It's, it's, I still hear that song on the radio sometimes. Right. And that's totally one of those also. So my number eight is a song that has not been played live. I'll tell you the truth. I was looking over my entire set list. I'll go ahead and say this. I think the Ozzy Osbourne set list changed after the Bark of the Moon tour. I think up through the Bark of the Moon tour, he had this certain set of songs that he used tour to tour, then added the new songs from the new album or whatever. When he toured for The Ultimate Sin, he played a lot of songs off that record. Five or six songs. I think that at that point, things changed to where his tours became more about, well, I'll do, I have these st- set of staples that I'm going to sing, and then I'll do a few new ones from the new record, and that's it. Well, that was Jake putting his foot down, because Jake wanted to play more Jake if you look at the set list, like even look at the Ultimate Aussie, there's actually more Jake songs than Randy songs, I believe. That is very rare. Yeah, I can certainly believe that because he played so many from that album. And or it's 50-50. And it's One an album two. that he doesn't look at back at very fondly. So for him to have promoted that so hard at that time is a little bit shocking. But it's also a time period when rock and roll was at its peak. And maybe they were just trying to jump on that as much as they could at the time. But I noticed that my set list, a lot of it stopped after the Bark of the Moon tour. Like that was the one where after that tour, it changed a lot. So my number eight that said, I believe the Bark of the Moon tour is the last time it was played live is Steal Away the Night with the, nice. drum, with the drum solo. Revelation and Steal Away the Night, I looked hard at. I mean, that's the songs I really stared at for a long time. 
I just can't see Steal Away the Night without Revelation before it, man. It just, it does not work for me. I understand that. I do. I understand that totally. Because they kind of go hand in hand. But at the same time, you know you would lose your shit if you were in a, at a Aussie concert in 2021 and he played Steal Away the Night. Agreed. Matter of fact, I was going to put Revelation in my set list and I have another song that I chose instead. Yeah. Strictly because I did not have room to add Steal Away the Night. I feel like they're a one-two package. They are, but we'll yeah. see. All right. I, I think it's a great choice. Listen, Steal Away the Night, brilliant. I would I would literally shit my pants if he played that live. I'm not going to lie. I would much rather see Steal Away the Night than Suicide Solution. 100%. My number eight. All right, here we go. Now just bear with me again. I believe he comes out with a miracle, man. Bullshit button. My hand is on the <laughs> bullshit button. We'll, we'll see. I just don't know. Well, all right. I should have researched this. When is the last time he played Miracle Man live? No more tours tour. No, there, he's had to have played that. Did he not play that on the Scream tour? No. Interesting. I'm, if he's played that since then, I've never seen him play it live. If he's played that since then, it would have been on those three-hour long shows up in Canada on the on the SARS tour or whatever, the fuck SARS or whatever that was called. That would have been when it would have happened, but I don't recall that he's played Miracle Man since No More Tours Tour, 91, 92. All right. So I didn't realize it's been that long. I thought he had pulled it out again in 2011, 2010, somewhere around there, but I am wrong. So bullshit me. Bullshit. Couldn't right. do it. Okay. So I'm going to go with, fuck it. This is the number one alternate I have, and I think it would be amazing it's going to fuck me, though, because Miracle Man was going to be my guitar solo, and this song wouldn't be my guitar solo. So I'm going to go Scary Little Green Men. Oh, nice. I think it would be a great live song. Again, high energy. Once you get past that intro, you know, we're coming off of a backing of Crowley, High Again, Perry Mason, Rock and Roll Rebel, Believer, I Don't Know. Boom, you do that intro, Scary Little Green Men. And once that chorus drops... People are going to sing along, lose their mind. It would be a fucking great live song. It would be a great live song. I think there's a few songs on his latest album, Ordinary Man, that he could probably pull off. We will save any for surprises for later on, possibly on my set list or yours. But I do think Scary Little Green Man is one that he probably could pull off live. It's not on my list, but I would fucking lose my mind for that one. There's no doubt. Yeah, I remember the first I think- time I heard it and I just started pumping my fist to that to that right. rhythm of that chorus. It was just fucking, you know, ripping. And I was like, man, this is this is what I want from an Aussie album. And it's so funny because when I saw the song titles from that record, you know, before they released the album, and I saw the song Scary Little Green Man, and my first thought was, Well, that sounds dumb. But then my second thought right. was is that's perfect for Ozzy with Bark at the Moon and all these other titles right. like that. Like that is That's perfect. exactly right. It ended up being the quintessential Ozzy sounding song on the album, I thought. The the old By far. school you know, Bark at the Moon sounding Aussie track. So I would love yeah. that. Yeah, and I think, listen, would I love him to do Under the Graveyard? I don't know. I don't think he could sing that one live. But I love him to do Holy for Tonight. Yes, but I think Holy for Tonight's maybe a little too mellow. I just think Scary Little Green Men is a great live song. And I think it it could have been a staple of his if he was younger and he released that song when he was younger where – I think that would have been a staple in the live setting. Yeah. It's just got such an infectious course. Yeah, I agree. Under the Graveyard is, you know, obviously was the lead single off the last album. So you want to hear that, you know, you typically want to hear that new single. I agree. That's when I thought about, I was like, how does something he can really pull that one off today? I hate to say that it would not be very, uh, pleasing to the ear. I don't believe. So we'll pass on it this time. You, you probably do. You know me pretty well. I've probably told you before that I think which one off that album, I think would be the best live album, live song. I'm sorry. Yep. And I would say that would have been my choice too. Excellent. Lead in my track. Number nine, straight to hell off of ordinary man. So that was perfect timing. I think this song could totally be pulled off live from Ozzy. And when he said in an interview, I will absolutely be doing some of these songs live when I go back on tour. This was the first song I thought of. I was like, it just sounds like an Ozzy live album song. And there's even parts of that song where it's like, if you know his mannerisms as well as most of you probably do that are listening to this show, you already know that when it does that, he's swinging his arms out. You almost like he does on Fairies Wear Boots. Like you, you almost can see his mannerisms to this song it would be absolutely perfect in a in a live set right now and i just think it's got a, a good high energy to it it was a it was a single for the record i think that would be the song off of ordinary man that he would play i probably would agree that that would be the most logical one i do think scary little green man is the better live song but straight to hell would be fucking fantastic live 
So number nine for me is going to be No More Tears. Nice. It is probably top three best epic songs in his whole career. I could not imagine going to see an Ozzy concert without No More Tears in the show. You know, it has to be there. That would also now is going to have to be my guitar solo. It is Zach's best guitar solo, so it kind of would be cool to have the guitar solo on there. But No More Tears, heavy, groovy. I think it's maybe his heaviest solo song. And I just think it has to be in the set. It's great sing-along for the for the crowd. People just lose their shit with No, with, uh, no More Tears live. It's No More Tears. I mean, what's to say? It's fucking, it's No More Tears. I'll go ahead and tell you, it's number 10 for me. So we're dude, again, we are so close. It's right. <laughs> we are again on a similar page. Number ten for me is No More Tears. Sadly, it's not a staple. There's been many tours that he did not play No More Tears. It's, it's in and out. Usually every other tour or so, he still pulls it off pretty well live. I've, I have seen bad experiences with it on YouTube and stuff like that at certain nights, certain shows. But for the most part, he pulls it off pretty well. You know, when you think Ozzy Osbourne, you know, Crazy Train comes to mind. Paranoid for Sabbath comes to mind. Bark of the Moon. No More Tears is right there. It's fucking huge. It's No More Tears. It's got to be there, in my opinion. I, I couldn't agree more. It has to be in the set list for sure. So my number 10, I believe the last time he did it, gosh, I want to say, I thought he did it in the, on the Scream Tour, but I could be mistaken. I know he hadn't played it a long time before that. Can but, I guess? Uh, Can I take a hit guess? Me. Hit me. The Ultimate Sin. That's it. God damn it. That's it. He did yep. play that on the Scream Tour. That's what gave yeah. it away. Ultimate Sin, again, another classic Jake song. Of course, No More Tears, The Ultimate Sin are both to drop D. I think both to C sharp. So same tuning. You know, I'm thinking a little outside the box here. It would be a great one-two punch, back-to-back, heavy, just a great live song. And of course, this is where my drum solo would be as well. It's just outside my list. I would love, I've never oh. seen him do it. I would completely lose my shit if he did do it. He did do it on the Scream Tour. I saw that tour a few times, but he never did it in any of the locations I was at. He did it more over in like Argentina or South America, some of those shows. He also did uh, Killer of Giants over Killer there. Killer of Giants. Yeah, and yep. he didn't do that at the uh, shows I was at either. So I was definitely He did a that one when I saw him. Oh, you lucky. Well, yeah, you saw him do I those him songs with Jakey e. Lee, right? He did not do the Ultimate Sin on the Ultimate Sin tour. That is a fallacy. Yeah. He did very, very little uh, Ultimate Sin. His, the songs he played off that album were Secret Loser, Never Know Why. Thank um, God for the Bomb. Thank God for the Bomb. Uh, Shot in the Dark. Killer, Shot in the Dark and Killer Giants. Yeah. yeah, he played those five. But Ultimate Sin, people think he played it live because of the Ultimate Ozzy. And he might have done it in Kansas City, but it was not really a staple on the live show. Yeah, he did it a few shows, but not. it wasn't a staple night in and night out. Yeah. So your number 10 is the Ultimate Sin. We continue to lead each other into our next song choice a little bit. My number 11 is Shot in the Dark. At this point Fantastic. in the actual Aussie set list that he did for the No More Tours Tour 2 and some of the tours before that, since he's brought Shot in the Dark back, really he brought it back during the Scream Tour. And since then, in 2010, he's kind of kept Shot in the Dark on the set list ever since. And I got to say, it's always a highlight for me. I don't know why. I think he still does it really fucking good. still see it as a bit of a dark horse. I see it as a little bit of a deep cut, even though it's like his biggest charting hit over all these songs. I right. still see Shot in the Dark as a little bit more of a deep cut. I love hearing him do it. I, I just really enjoy that song live. And when I see his set list today, I've seen Ozzy a lot of times. So the set list, I don't want to say it's boring, but it's a lot of the same old songs tour in and tour out. So I always view Shot in the Dark as one that's a little bit different and one that I'm definitely excited to hear. So that's my number 11, Shot in the Dark. Love it. Love it. It is a staple for me as well, kind of like Flying High Again. So, spoiler alert, it will be in my set, but Shot in the Dark and Flying High Again should be in every Aussie set list. Absolutely. All right, so now my number 11. This is the outside of the box one that I know he can pull off 100%. I have berated the listener with fast song, high tempo, fast song, high tempo. You know, we're doing I Don't Know, Scary Little Green Men, No More Tears, The Ultimate Sin. It's just been one heavy song after another, and then the lights go down, and you can't kill rock and roll starts. And he's never done it live, and I think the place would go fucking nuts. At least the older section of the place would go fucking nuts. Those listen, <laughs> listen, who do you think is seeing Ozzy? They're going to know that true. song. That is true. That is true. And I'm definitely listen. in that older section. I would go. I would lose my mind. As a matter of fact, You Can't Kill Rock and Roll is the song specifically that Randy Rhodes was disappointed wasn't in the set list when they did the Diary of a Madman tour. Exactly. 
So it has to, and Ozzy can do it. I mean, matter of fact, he sings the low octave on the record. So we already know he could sing that. So the only thing he can't sing is the word stay, right? Because he hits those big notes on the word stay. He could easily cut those short, like he's done many, many times on different songs. Absolutely can do You Can't Kill Rock and Roll. And I am blown away when I was listening to different radio shows talking about Ozzy and people calling their favorite song. I'm telling you, man, You Can't Kill Rock and Roll was very high on everybody's list on a top five Aussie song. Yeah, that leads in again for me. For, so my number 12 song on my Aussie set list, I have two songs written down. I'm not trying to cheat, okay? My number 12 is Revelation Mother Earth. But beside that, I did put Or You Can't Kill Rock and Roll. No way! Yeah. Awesome. Because yeah. you never said the bullshit button was coming. So yeah. I yeah. know you know you can sing it. I think he could do it. I think he could do either one of those. I think Revelation Mother Earth could be done also. Dude, um, I love Revelation Mother Earth, and he could do it too, but it's got to be before Steal Away the Night. I it's know. not realistic. When you said that, I kind of looked at my set list, but I liked it down there in that lower end of the set to where you're kind of like, you know, the set's about to wrap up, but all of a sudden you're throwing this awesome deep cut curveball that you just never dreamed he I, was going to play, dude. you know? I do. We were on the exact same page. I just chose you can't kill rock and roll, but it was that exact re- reason, yeah, right? It's cool. so fucking cool. Yeah, that's that's exactly was my mindset. And like I said, I had or you can't kill rock and roll. I had reached out to you earlier today before recording with the idea that you could have two songs that he could alternate, play one one night, right. one the next. And you thought it would be a little bit confusing to the listener, but that was my plan was one night he would do Revelation Mother Earth, then the next night he would do You Can't Kill Rock and Roll. Then the next night back yep. to Revelation Mother Earth, the next night You Can't Kill Rock and Roll. But and, we're voting um, against each other, so you got you got to pick one. Yeah, but so for my sake, on my list, the one I had at number one was Revelation Mother Earth. It's great. I fucking love it. Revelation and Steal Away were very close to entering my set list. Well, but Again, like Revelation Mother Earth, I believe, left the set list after the Bark of the Moon tour. It did. There, there's so many songs that left after that tour that it's, you know, so many that fans now would love to hear. They used to be staples. I mean, try to find an Aussie live recording bootleg or whatever, you know, Bark of the Moon tour back. You will hear, guaranteed, you will hear Revelation Mother Earth. You will hear Still Away the Night. You will every hear show. Every night, you know, but yeah. after that tour, it changed and those songs were never brought back. Ever. I agree. And I, listen, I think that's a great selection. I, I, personally would love him to bring those two songs back okay so number 12 for you my number 12 is shot in the dark i think now we bring the energy back up another great high energy song another classic jake song again a lot of randy jake on mine no surprise i definitely think shot in the dark has to be in a set list i kind of already talked about it when you picked it shot in the dark always should be in an aussie set list it's one of his biggest singles you know the ultimate sin was a huge album for him it's again very loved by the older fans it reached number six on the uh, billboard charts it is double platinum i cannot understand why he would ever take shot in the dark out of the set list yeah and at the time shot in the dark was easily as high as charting people confuse sometimes charting versus long-term success they're two totally different things uh, but you know at the time you know, shot in the dark was easily his highest charting single and a lot of that had to do with the time and place and era it was the mid 80s and you know rock music was was the rage and you know that that certainly played into it but shot in the dark is a song that shouldn't leave the set list at this point we should do an episode about ozzy's riaa standing and his chart success as yeah. a solo career that'd be interesting yeah people yeah. would be informative you know it would be for sure. I love that sort of shit. So number 13 for me, this would be the, the set closer before Encore. And this is the part where I go for Bark of the Moon. For all the reasons we said earlier, it's one of the Aussie, you know, iconic songs of Aussie's career. I mean, Bark of the Moon is the quintessential Aussie Osborne track in my eyes. It's everything I want from an Aussie song. It's got all the energy, all the guitar solos. Like you said, it's smoking hot. I think Bark of the Moon will be a great show closer before Encore. Moving the song you're going to move to your closer, there is no other choice here but Bark at the Moon. I love it. So my set closer before the encore is Crazy Train. We're going straight up real life Ozzy here. I think it's the great song to end the set with before we come back for the encore. It's his most popular song. It's got to be in the set list, even though I've heard it a million times. But live, it's different. You know, live, it's great to hear Crazy Train live. But that would be my set closer before the encore. Totally. So for my encore, let's go ahead and do our encores together. Like we'll do yeah. 14 and 15 and you do yours. Okay. Love so it. my encore is actually 
I think he kind of gets it right these days. Of course, we've already done Paranoid. I opened with Paranoid in my set. So my encore is Mom, I'm Coming Home and Crazy Train. I do think when you say Ozzy Osbourne to the general person, Joe Public, I think Crazy Train and Mama, I'm Coming Home are probably the first two songs they think of. And, you know, Mama, I'm Coming Home is a song that it, we can't deny that how big that song is. I mean, it really is everything Ozzy wants out of a ballad. He would probably tell you it's his favorite ballad he's ever written or had a part in writing. And I love it on that 14 slot coming out of the encore, you know, coming in with Mama, I'm Coming Home and then leading into the energy of Crazy Train to close the set. Yeah, I love it. It's a great one-two punch. Mine is very similar. So my last three songs are what I would see at a real Aussie concert. So we're going to go coming out of the encore, Mama, I'm Coming Home, into Paranoid. That's what I expected. Yeah, and to me, that's how it should be. I get choked up every time I see Mama, I'm Coming Home live. Literally, it gets there's just something about that song live that moves me emotionally. And I get teary-eyed and just I get choked up and it's just especially when he started getting older, because I know every time I see him, it really started, I'd say, in the No More Tours tour. I really thought it was my last time seeing Ozzy. So I got a little choked up during the Mom, I'm Coming Home section of the song, and it's kind of stayed that way for the rest of his career. And I, I just think it's a staple live. He can sing it just fine. Again, he has the crowd help him with the home line, like we're going to do with Perry Mason. I think it's a great ending to a set, and I had to end with Paranoid. And I love your starting with Paranoid. I think it's great. It's different but to me ozzy ends his show with paranoid you know all the way back from the sabbath days what do you want to hear what do you want to hear right it's paranoid 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 you have to end the set with paranoid it's when you know the night is over i get it you know mama i'm coming home is a song that moves ozzy also i'm not sure if you saw this a lot of fans may not have seen it you probably did there was a night about two years ago or three on the no more tours two tour where ozzy performed mama i'm coming home and when he finished, he literally apologized to the crowd and said, that wasn't up to par. I apologize. Let me try that again. And he sang the fucking song again that night. He done it twice, back to back. That's awesome. Because he knew the first time, he just knew the first time that it wasn't as good as it could have been. And that song means so much to him. He wasn't letting that subpar performance be people's memory of that song, hearing that song live for the final time. And he performed it again. And I thought that was fucking awesome to step back and physically just say, hey, that wasn't good enough. I apologize, guys. Let's try that one more time. And literally play it a second time. I think that's fucking great. And little moments like that at concerts are memorable. And that's the things people tell their friends the next day. It's like, man, Ozzy fucking played Mama Coming Home twice. Because the first time he just didn't think he'd done it good enough. And he wanted to do it again. And I think things like that are fucking great. So, yeah, it definitely is a song that needs to be in the set, near the encore or at the encore. Because it means so much to him. And of course, Paranoid's Paranoid. I mean, you can't ever argue with Paranoid. So one thing I find interesting, we both only had one Black Sabbath song in our Ozzy Osbourne Ultimate Set List. Yeah, I was just going to go there. I mean, we've talked about this before. I would be even okay if he cut Paranoid out of the set list. And I know I just said Paranoid ends with Ozzy, but I was trying to be as true as possible. You know, he just spent the last 20 years touring his Black Sabbath. We've seen a lot of Black Sabbath. I would rather see an all Aussie set list. And if we did an all Aussie set list, I would have closed with Crazy Train. Well, it's this simple. He has enough material to do an all Aussie set list. He's got more Aussie solo records than he does Sabbath records. Absolutely. And the Sabbath songs, like you said a minute ago, if Black Sabbath hadn't been touring, it would be different. But we've heard all those songs. You know, we've heard those songs on tour for the past 20 years as much as we have his solo songs. So really, the point, you know, he still nails War Pigs. I get it. And if I'm a person who's never seen Ozzy live or Sabbath I would love it if he did War Pigs like that would be fucking epic and you know but, he's gonna do it yeah and he's gonna do it in real life he's gonna do it but for my set if I was going and making the set list I just would pass on that because I've heard him do it with Black Sabbath so much so that's why I would skip on it but it's not that we don't love those songs just as much it's just that if I'm going to pay money for an Ozzy solo tour I want to see Ozzy solo songs personally because like you said we've seen him do it and no one can do them the way Sabbath does them Zach's great. Everyone's great. He says that. Those songs are just absolutely different with Black Sabbath. So uh, did you take the time to think about exiting music? Yeah, I would pick. (laughs) I'm going back to the old days, baby. I would pick So Tired while he was walking out. Nice. I picked the one that I think if he does tour again, that he will exit with is Ordinary Man. Yeah, it's a great one, too. I think Ordinary Man would be the one that would close it as far as exiting music for the crowd. He always tends to do his latest ballad. In that, in that spot anyways. Over the years, it's been Dreamer and here for, you know, whatever. So right. I, I think Ordinary Man would be the the pick for that. So, 
Awesome. Truthfully, I almost cut my mom coming home and added Ordinary Man in that spot. Well, it was this close. I, I almost pulled it. I debated if he could really, how well he could really do it. I think he could do right. it. He does the ballads better live sometimes than the rockers, man. He really does. He always nailed here for you. I mean, but then there's songs like Dreamer that he never even tried. Yeah, I would love to hear a live version of Dreamer. But, Me too. Dude, there's so yeah. many fucking songs we could have added to the list. Uh, I mean, I could have made this a 30-song set list. Oh, easy. Like, Do you want to throw so, a few at me real quick, and I'll throw a few at you before we close up? That Songs that okay. could have made the set list that we think he could still do today in 2021? Absolutely. So I got three right out of the, right out of the gate. And again, it's going to go back to keeping these songs in the set list because it would have become more classics. You ready? Gets yes, me sir. through. Gets me through was right on my list, man. It, it ended. It was like the last minute scratch. I loved that pick of yours. It was right there. But at the end of the day, I wanted to go early Ozzy a little bit more. The other two are going to surprise you, but they were, they were late cuts for me. That's I don't want to stop and let me hear you scream. I think they are radio staples. Younger Aussie fans know them. All Aussie fans know them. They were very popular. They're great live songs. They got great energy. He could easily sing them. I would love to see those songs come back to the set list. Yeah, I have them on my list also of songs that could have been, you know, except initially I, I would guess we both did this the same. I wrote down songs I think he could still do and then from that chose the set list. They're on my list also. Again, they're lead singles from those albums, so they got a lot of radio play. The, the fans definitely know those songs. And like you said, if they stay in the set list, they become classics. That's just how it happens. So right. they're on my list also. I'll throw a few at you real quick. You know, missing from my set list is I don't know. Mine is Suicide Solution. Yeah, so we both went with one Blizzard track that is definite staples that will always be there. That yeah. we that we you chose not to put in our set list, but a few that I had that neither one of us mentioned is you know one song he never played live. I'm curious if he could pull off breaking all the rules. No way. You don't think I would so? Have my, no way. Like I wanted to add waiting for darkness. He can't pull it off. Yeah, it'd be tough. Yeah, it, yeah. but breaking all the rules is pretty high. Again, that's also drop D. His his melody's pretty high. It's awesome. But a few more on my set list here was uh, one is desire. He actually yeah, did he that. Could, he could do that for he, sure. He's, he's done that one recently. But that, to me, that's kind of a staple. I, I don't know. No. I get a little bored with. I get a little bored with desire. No, I mean that. he did that on the No More Tours tour, and he did it on Retirement Sucks. Then it left the set list for a long, long time after that. And then he did it a few shows where he did like before the No More Tours two tour. He did a few sh like spot shows for festivals like Download Festival or that open air Chicago festival, whatever one it was. And he did desire there a few nights, but other than that, he hasn't really played that much in the past 15 or right. 20 years, believe it or not. It's it's if you would look back at it, it's been played a lot less than your memory probably tells you it has. I think. I've yeah, only, I'm sure. I think I've only heard him do it live one time. He did it on the no more tours tour for sure. And I believe he did it on the first half of the retirement sucks tour. Exactly. And then it was, yeah. it's been gone since then pretty much except for a show here or there. He's brought it, you know, so that's right. why I had that one. Another one that he does live quite often overseas, but he's never done it at a show I've been at. And it bothers me because I would just lose my shit to hear him do it. It's fire in the sky. Yep. I've seen him do it a few times. Yeah. I've never seen that one. And I definitely would. Uh, he could do that for sure. He did that on the screen before. Another song that we cut, you and I both, I noticed is I don't want to change the world. That's I was just going to mention that. Yeah, a definite staple. You know, I love it, but I could easily cut that one to make room for one of these other songs uh, all day long. Easily. Yeah. Agreed. I kind of feel the same way about Desire as I Don't Want to Change the World. Yeah. Very similar songs. They're, they're similar. And two more that I had on my list that I think he could still do, and he did do them on that tour, is Junkie and That I Never Had. I think he could still do those ones also if he wanted to, to really do something off the wall. But those aren't really the classic Aussie songs that you would want to hear like Agreed. rock and roll rebel, you know, classic, you know, radio staple type songs. Ultimate you know? sin. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. agree. So, yeah, I, I would personally, I would love junkie. I think junkie's a great song. It's kind of why I didn't pick anything else off of the later records. I think it's only really, I don't want to stop and let me hear you scream. Yeah. There's only so much room, you know, he has so many staples. I mean, when you look at paranoid, Mr. Crowley, crazy train, my mom coming home, bark with the moon. There's so many that have to be there. There's only really a few spots to slide in. And he's got so right. many songs that he, he could do. And there's more than this that he could do that we're not even mentioning, I'm sure. But those, uh, like you said, you kind of, for the later ones, you want those lead singles that people at least know what they are. The, the classic albums, people know all those songs for the most part. And, I, and that's why I know for sure Suicide Solution and I Don't Know would clearly be in the set. But for my set, I picked three from Blizzard, which would be very low. 
and I picked three from Diary. So I still got my six Randy songs in, but I wanted to focus a little bit more on Diary. I think it would be great having Believer, Flying High Again, and You Can't Kill Rock and Roll on the set. Oh, yeah. Everyone would go home happy. So real quick before we close up, I'm throwing this at you real quick. If you could choose one song, it doesn't matter if he, if he could perform it today or not. If there's one song you've never heard live that you would like to hear, what would it be? Waiting for Darkness. I already said it. Even, I would shit. Even more pants. so than Diary of a Madman? Yeah, I mean, he's already done Diary, right? Even though I didn't get to see him, there's something about the fact that he's never played Waiting for Darkness live. But of course, Diary would be, that would be the obvious answer. I was trying to be a little bit more mystifying. Waiting for Darkness would be great. I know he played and they talked that he was going to add it to the set list and you and I got super excited and we never, of course, it never came to fruition. Can you just imagine Waiting for Darkness being yeah, played? It was the No More Tours Tour set list that he was on yeah. before he fell. And yeah. they, they had mentioned any any deep cuts and he physically said, yeah, we've been working on Waiting for Darkness and it sounds fucking excellent. And we were like all pumped about that. Right. And I was at opening night in Jacksonville, Florida, and he didn't play it. And I was so disappointed by that because he made that comment. I was texting you. Did you play Waiting for Darkness? Yeah, I was waiting for it all night. And I was waiting for fucking Darkness to hear that song, and he never I played know. it. So it was that's probably why it's my answer, too, because he did just say it. It's just in the back of my mind, man. I, and it's always been one of my favorite Aussie songs. Of course, Diary of a Madman would be the top of the list. I, I would. Yeah. It would be amazing. But well, see, Waiting for Darkness would be for me. Waiting, awesome. Diary of a Madman would be my choice, except for that I've seen him do it. Yeah, so I I, therefore mine would probably be Revelation Mother Earth because I've never heard him do that song live. And I just, you know, I fucking love that song. And I think that would be one for me that would totally just move me to hear that one. And it's, it's such a long epic song that you have time to really soak it up and really enjoy that. You know, one thing I wanted to address real quick before we close this, I interviewed Gus G one time. It was promoting one of his albums, a solo albums. But we discussed his time with Ozzy a little bit, and this is available on YouTube if you want to check it out. The website was called Metal Nexus. My nickname on there, we had to use pen names. It was Axe. And it says Axe interviews Gus G. And I talked to Gus about his time with Ozzy, and he told me that when they released the 30th anniversary box set, that Ozzy told the band to learn Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman in their entireties, and that they were going to go out and tour promoting that box set and play both of those albums in their entirety. It would have been huge. To be honest, that's both of our dream sets right there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, no that question. would be it. To hear Ozzy play SATO live or You Can't Kill Rock and Roll, fucking forget it, man. Absolutely Tonight? forget it. Tonight live. Oh, oh my, God. my God. You know what? Tonight could be my pick over Revelation Mother Earth, actually. I'm going I'm I'm to change that. I'm gonna no, I don't think tonight. he could sing tonight. No, there's no way. And, you know, the thing was, uh, Gus said they practiced it for two weeks. The odd thing was there was less than a few weeks left in the tour. He said they had rehearsed it and they had like one short leg of the tour left and that was it. And that Ozzy come in and they the band had learned those songs and he just kind of said, scrap that, we're not doing that. And that was the end of it. You know, like it never happened, obviously. I don't understand it because that would have sold tickets. Oh, it, it would have been his biggest tour in years. I think it goes back to your comment at the start of the show of confidence. I think right. that is ultimately what it comes down to. I would fly somewhere to see that. No questions asked. I mean, we'd be there in a heartbeat. And Anywhere. I think it would have been huge. And, you know, Gus, he did comment to me how much work the band put into learning those songs. It just got scrapped. The entire interview I did with him, that was definitely my takeaway moment of how awesome that could have been. And, you know, that would have been at the end of the Scream Tour. So that would have been right at the tail end of the Scream Tour. If you look back, Ozzy was fucking great. on fire on that tour. He, he sounded did. He was excellent. amazing. A matter of fact, I think that's the best he had sounded since No More Tours tour in 91, 92. I think that was his best sounding tour since then. If ever there was a time to do it, that probably would have been it. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. I, I, I think it would have been wildly successful, man. Yeah. Hey, I just want to give a huge shout out to Ryan for doing the graphic art for our amazing poster for our ultimate podcast we want to just to give a huge shout out to ryan ryan's going to be joining us on a couple of future podcasts especially when we start doing battles and i'm hoping that's for our next episode ryan is definitely a huge aussie fan just like us he's definitely one of the crew so shout out to ryan for really coming through and, and just creating that kick-ass cover Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Ryan is definitely our brother and a team member here. He's with us in spirit even when he's not here because we've mentioned him like four times tonight. But right. Ryan knocked out some excellent artwork for us for the, for the podcast. I had done the previous artwork, which now feels so generic and cheap that 
Nobody will ever he, see it. No one will ever see it. But he made me feel kind of shitty. And he said, hey, man. He did I, it with love. Can I, can I do some artwork for that? I love this kind of stuff. And I thought, yeah, you can, but I've already fucking got something. Yeah, I already and, nailed it. That's and then, said. like, literally two hours later, he sends us this epic fucking looking cover that we just fell in love with. He blew it away. So I'm yeah. totally excited for it. And we do appreciate that. And we want to shout out John the Bod from Bod's Mayhem Hour. This is a pro- you know, product of their show, Bod's Mayhem Hour. If you have time, check them out on anywhere you listen to podcasts. Give them a subscribe button. He uh, literally just got off the phone with Tim Ripper Owens right before I got here tonight. He's out doing his shit. Go check their show out also. And in the meantime, keep it real, guys. We'll see you next time. Take care. I can't do that anymore. A year. Da- yeah, I'm down to about 36. You read a book in like two, three days? I was. That is correct. But now it's about every two weeks. I've really slowed down. Maybe three books a month. John's looking at me like, what the fuck? Yeah, I, I love to read. I can do that. So when I'm by myself. <laughs> John sounds like book- fucking meatloaf. I can do I that. Do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So before I started recording at home, if I had free time, like by myself, I'd read. Yeah. That would always be my go-to thing to do. But now it's mixing. I it's never me had crazy. that desire. Same. I've been reading since I'm like 10 or 11 years old, man. Hmm. I mean, that's I great. It. In all sincerity, I wish I had that. I've always wished I had that. I just, I don't. It has to truly be Ozzy, Randy Rhodes, fucking Black Sabbath, or I just can't sit down and do it. I got Paul Stanley's book. I got about 30 pages in that piece of shit. Never read any more of it. <laughs> I and I love one. Paul Stanley. It's just that I, I just can't. Zach Wilde's book, that's the hardest fucking thing to read ever fucking It's fucking written. terrible. It's it was terrible. terrible. Did you read the Chris Jericho books? I, no, I probably would like They're that. great. They're fantastic. Yeah, I'd probably like I tried and tried and tried to read fucking Zach's book, man. I tried four times. I, I did get it was miserable. I, don't, uh, I finished, but it was like pulling what's teeth. What's so wrong with it? It's, he's never serious. He's, he's ne- like fucking around. You know the, that Zach Wilde interview way he does where he never really answers a question and he's just kind of being Zach and he's, the book is like that. It's it, really hard to read. It's really hard to read. But now it did have a great story about, I'll never forget this. The chapter was called Unimportant People Making Important Decisions was the name of the chapter. I remember that stuck with me. And it was about, he said he was at Sony one day for whatever reason. I can't remember why. And they were working on a new release for a Jimi Hendrix compilation, like Greatest Hits, live album, whatever. And he said, I swear, I can't remember how high up the chain this lady was, but he said a lady who was, you know, upper management at Sony. said, well, maybe we can get Mr. Hendrix to go out and do a promotional tour to help sell no, the album. No, she did not. Oh yes, my God. it was in that book. I don't I, remember that. He said, I knew then that that's what we're dealing with at, at labels like this. And just, you know, unimportant people making important decisions. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's fucking legendary. (laughs) Get Mr. Hendricks to go do a promotional tour for it.